Hey, it's Doug, and this is Thought Shrapnel Microcast number 91. So today's three articles don't particularly have a theme, um, although I'm sure you could construct one. The first one is Britain tamed big tech and nobody noticed in Wired UK. The second one is on 1-0 on Medium called Twitter Arguments. And the third one is I Wish the Fediverse Had Circles by Ru Singh. So the first one, Britain Tame Big Tech and Nobody Noticed, is by Chris Stokel Walker, who lives in Newcastle. I met him briefly at the Thinking Digital conference a couple of years ago, and he's talking about the age-appropriate design code, which is now being called the Children's Code in the UK. And um, I'll just read a couple of quotations from this particular uh, Wired article. So, quote, The age-appropriate design code looked like a limp bit of legislation when it was laid before Parliament in June 2020. It was a code of practice developed by the UK's Information Commissioner's Office, ICO, itself not known as the most powerful enforcer of rights, because it was required by the 2018 Data Protection Act. In all, 15 headline standards of age-appropriate design were drawn up, and companies were required to follow them to ensure their services appropriately safeguard children's personal data and process children's personal data fairly. The code requires privacy settings to be high by default for children, to collect and retain only the minimum amount of data on users, and to have geolocation switched off and an opt-in option. Nudge techniques... Nudge techniques to encourage children to counter any of these settings are banned, while parental controls need to be implemented in a way their child can understand. End of quote. So you might have seen that lots of companies, Google, Facebook, etc., have changed their policies around children, and that's and worldwide, and that's because of this this children's code, and that's been unexpected. And uh, Chris Stokel Walker says that basically what happened was. Baroness Kidron, and I went to an event that she organised once about five years ago, she's the chair of the Five Rights Foundation. Basically, she refused to support the UK's data protection bill um, as it passed through Parliament, and they needed the government needed her support to pass the bill, so they offered her this kind of um, this SOP, as, as Chris talks about it, the age-appropriate design code. And it turns out it's had this massive impact. Um, so... None of them obviously say, oh, we're complying with the age-appropriate design code. They, they say they're doing it because they think it's important. So they get this PR win elsewhere, and also it makes it more difficult for competitors to come into the market. But what's really interesting is that it has had this impact. And as a parent of someone who you know struggles, even though I know what I'm doing with digital technology, you know, my son had his phone and tablet taken off him um, for the last couple of weeks. And in fact, he had to buy it back because I said I was going to sell on eBay. The struggle is real, and so anything like this is really, really useful. The second um, second article is by Corey Doctorow called Twitter Arguments, and he talks about how the kind of activism that he does is really niche. It's about digital rights management and vendor lock-in and and that kind of stuff, interoperability. Um, And he specifically talks about kind of the similarities between climate change and this kind of vendor lock-in, everyone locked into Facebook, that kind of thing. He says, quote, I call this the peak indifference model of social change. If we ignore a problem long enough, eventually it will worsen to the point where we can't ignore it anymore. This isn't a good way to solve problems. By the time a problem is so manifestly real that it can't be denied, untold damage has been done, and even more unavoidable harms are on the way. Think of the climate emergency. At this point, with fires and floods upon us, climate denialists have become an endangered species. The good news is that this means we might finally start taking the issue seriously. 
the bad news is that it took so long that it, we might let millions suffer and die and more death and destruction are on our horizon. Like, clim like climate activism, tech policy activism tries to mobilise people to act to prevent harms that require both a technical and policy background. And like climate activism, tech policy activism can't afford to wait until the disaster is undeniably upon us before acting. So he basically says this is why he argues with strangers on Twitter. And this is how he explains why he does that. And just let's just say... Audrey Waters used to do this all the time, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, just argue with people. And um, this, this is why. So, quote, I'm sure you've heard all the reasons not to get into Twitter fights. You'll never change someone's mind by arguing with them on Twitter. Attempting to do so just feels, feeds the trolls. There's no room for nuance in 280 characters. This is all true. And it's a great reason try to not to try to change your adversary's mind on Twitter. But... There's a far better reason to argue on Twitter than changing a stranger's mind by rebutting their arguments, and that is changing other people's minds by running circles around them. And he talks about the fact that um, people will watch other people argue on Twitter and you might change their mind because they're not going to be so well informed about tech policy um, and about, about that kind of stuff and about technology itself. So it's a really interesting article because it's trying to change people's minds at scale whilst not necessarily trying to change the mind of the person you're arguing against. I don't think I've got the energy for it anyway. The third article I want to talk about is by Ru Singh, which I found via Stephen Daly's um, OL Daily. I do follow Ru Singh on, on the Fediverse, um, but I wanted to talk about this, firstly because it's part of her 100 Days to Offload Challenge, and secondly because I've thought about these kinds of things a lot when I was doing the work on MoodleNet. So she talks about Google Plus having so uh, Google Plus having these uh, this idea of circles so you could share information with specific groups of people while excluding everyone else. And that's something which people kind of instinctively want, but it doesn't seem to work in practice. So she talks about hometown, which is a kind of a soft fork of Mastodon. And what that allows you to do is to be able to post just to the people on your instance. So on the Fediverse, you are part of a decentralized network of servers. And by default, you can either send a message, like a direct message to one person, or you can send a message to like everyone, or to your followers. And they're the three things. This one, this hometown fork, allows you to send to, to people just on your instance. Like a, It allows you to treat it like a neighborhood. But that's quite inconvenient, she talks about. Um, and so she, she talks about, are we talking about circles or neighborhoods? Um, Stephen Down says, maybe this is an AI thing, whatever. Now, we actually kind of dealt with this directly with MoodleNet. With MoodleNet, that was a federated uh, social network. The idea being that it's communities of people who are curating resources for education, right? So the idea there was that you could post stuff which would go public to everyone on the network, but you could also publish stuff just to your community. And that's the kind of thing which I think she's talking about here. You might want more granular controls, like you might want, I don't know, your knitting group, or you might want your football team, or your family or whatever. But the difficulty is, if you've got loads of different circles, like choosing them, do you define them in advance? Do you define them at the time of posting? Like, it's a very difficult thing to do. So I think this is a, this is a ripe area for experimentation on the Fediverse. 
So there we are, three articles. The first one about taming big tech through the children's code, the second one about arguing with people on Twitter, and the third one about circles or neighborhoods on the Fediverse. That was microcast number 91.